Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of Blueprint to Canton. This is Nelly at a Nelly Ticks and also found in your discords everywhere. Um, today it's just going to be me. Um, I know most episodes I'm going to try and bring on people, but um, I just had some, some thoughts that I wanted to talk about by myself today. And I think every once in a while it's okay for me to come on here and and talk basically to myself. I think it serves a purpose. It's probably not the most interesting thing every time, but um, I don't know. That's what we're going to do today. Um, and I guess to start off with, uh, I just wanted to go on a little side tangent. Um, I was updating my Debbie ranks today and really all this week. Uh, and it's, it's a long process because from preseason to now, Everything has changed. I mean, it's it's every every player is is moving in some respect, whether it's up or mainly down, and and that's kind of the point that I want to get at here. Is there are so many players that we have high expectations for in the preseason because we want players to work out, uh, we want things to go well, and we can see the path towards it happening. But the brutal truth is that most of the time it doesn't happen. You know, there's only so many players in in college football that are elite players, right? And it's hard to predict who is going to be, who are going to be those elite players. And, and we try, I try, uh, but it's difficult. And so with that, again, something that I emphasize over and over on this show is be less confident in your Debbie predictions and your and your ability to project future success and assuming that the value will happen because I mean as we're seeing as as the college football season has kind of progressed so far this year it's 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 very difficult to project or maybe I'm just the worst Debbie ranker in the world uh it's it's one of those two options there but um yeah, I mean, I know, I know this is a C2C show, and I'm talking about Debbie Ranks, but it, it's more just the the, the projecting uh, aspect, which is what Debbie's about, and it's part of what C2C is about. Um, but anyway, um, I want to, for today's show, I got a question from Adam C. Chally, who um, has been listening to the show and has, has, uh, has sent me a question. Um, and, and I wanted to go through the question uh, and kind of answer it on a macro level. So he asked, he's taking over an aging NFL orphan and he's deciding to flip to selling off all the aging assets on it. Guys like Tannehill, Eckler, Kamara, Mostert, Moss, Adams, Mooney, Waller, etc. Uh, we don't say names on this show, but we're saying names. Uh, he just doesn't feel good enough for his chance, for his chances at the, at the ship. Um... That being said, he, he, he said he was trying to follow the rules that myself and Austin set aside um, for how to trade NFL assets down for CFB assets, and he's finding that people are way more stingy when buying aging assets, um, and, and he's saying people are saying aging specifically in, in every chat. Uh, so he's asking, do you relax on your rules when flipping those aging assets to move into rebuild? Or are you holding and just being satisfied with mediocrity on the NFL side? Um, and I think it's a tough question. You know, I think you put yourself into a tough position when you take on an orphan. You know, there's very likely a reason why the, the roster is an orphan. Uh, obviously, there are rare cases where 
something random happens. But usually people leave orphans because the teams are poor, right? Team guy, People don't leave good teams. Uh, and so when you take on an orphan, generally speaking, you are uh, behind the eight ball in terms of the total value on your team. And that doesn't answer the question, right? But that, that's the, the fact of the matter here. When you take on an orphan, you're, you're basically given a losing proposition and you need to find edges to so slowly scrape back. Um, that being said, I don't think I would budge too much on my rules for moving the NFL assets. Um, I know every league has its own micro market where players are valued differently. And aging assets, in particular in C2C, in a lot of leagues, micro markets are valued less than they would be in Dynasty because they're aging and Campus to Canton leagues are all about not aging, I guess. It's all about finding big young players. But I think what happens if you sell your quote-unquote aging assets for less than what they're really worth is you're taking this uh, below average in total value roster and you're lowering the value levels even more. Right? Like, if you think about it, you win through value, right? The best teams usually have the most value on their team. The worst teams usually have the least value. And if you have less value because you're an orphan and you're selling under market value to force a deal through, then you're just hurting your, your overall team value uh, moving forward. And, and it's tough, right? Because... Aging values are depreciating assets, right? They're they're going to lose value on their own. So you kind of have to weigh, well, if I don't move this player, what's he going to be worth in the future? Um, and so if I sell for a slight discount now, is that still better than what his price will be in a year if, if I don't move him? Um, that that kind of does has to be have to be taken into consideration. So I guess in that sense. Maybe. Maybe you, you push back a little bit on the rules that we had set out. But I think for the most point, you don't want to like uh, drastically undersell. And also, something that I think you can do is you can lean into the aging side of things a little bit more. You can, instead of moving all your NFL guys for young guys, you can take any sort of value that you have on your college side and push some chips to the NFL side. Um, I mean, the list of names that were mentioned are, are guys who are scoring points right now. Like, this is a, a, a playoff roster, assuming there are a couple other pieces around there. Um, and, and that's something you can work with. And, and something we've talked about is you don't need to sell your, 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 pro, your pro players to rebuild on the college side. You have all your picks next year. Um, it's pretty easy to rebuild. You take a couple of elite freshmen and you kind of cycle through uh, CFF assets and picking up guys off waivers, and you don't need to uh, destroy your NFL side to, to do that. Um, so, yeah, I guess point being here, uh, there are specific situations, right, where value is going down either way. So if you can get something now rather than the value going down for nothing later, then, then maybe it's worth it. But, but don't, don't force it, right? And, and something else to keep in mind is it's still, what, week five of the NFL season? Uh, there are teams that will be looking to buy, 
quote-unquote aging assets that are producing now later in the season when it's closer to playoff time when a couple more injuries have happened and these these great rosters all of a sudden might have a couple holes or might need some depth so that is a potential window to sell these assets that, that you're talking about um and I, I also do think because of dynasty and the nature of dynasty that the the drasticness of the decline of these assets is is overstated right like all of these guys are older. There's no debating that. But they're not just dropping off cliffs. Maybe one will. Maybe a couple will. But, like, these are all good football players who will be in the league and will continue to get opportunities for a while um, until they've truly proven that they don't deserve it anymore. And um, so while they might be aging assets, depreciating assets, it's it's not uh, a panic it's not a like break glass in case of emergency situation where you're fire sailing everyone. Um, but move a couple of the guys, maybe move a couple of them for slightly lower prices than you would regularly consider. But again, like the worst thing you can do when picking up an orphan that has that has uh, below average value is um, is just destroying all that value instantly because then you're stuck on both sides. Like right now, it seems like with with an NFL squad like that, like you have the opportunity still to to put together some wins on the NFL side, and and, and you can rebuild the college side simultaneously. Um, so, yeah, there there's I, I know it was a specific example from Chally there, but I feel like there's some some macro level lessons in terms of. Um, taking on orphans in terms of aging NFL assets and how to handle that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that will be useful going forward and, and appreciate the question, Adam, uh, for sure. Uh, glad you're listening and anyone else who has either similar questions or completely different questions, please feel free to submit them. Um, all right. Let's pivot to something else here. Uh, a discussion that has been going on in the, c2c community for a little while now is best ball question mark like is is best ball the best way to play this format um and i play in a couple best ball leagues i mainly play in regular leagues and uh i guess first i want to talk about my preference between the two and why um and then Beyond that, I do want to get into the strategy of playing in a best ball league versus a regular league because I actually think the strategy is pretty different. Uh, and and I to start off with, I definitely prefer regular lineup leagues. Um, I think regular lineup leagues allow you to be involved more, which I think is part of the the purpose of this is to be involved. You know, best ball you can draft your team at the beginning of the year and, and forget it for the rest of the year. Um, whereas lineup leagues, you have to be setting lineups week to week and you have to be making decisions and in tune with matchups and everything. Um, but I think more importantly, the reason why I like regular leagues is you have a lot of bench slots that you don't have to worry about. Uh, Whereas in best ball, your entire roster is basically your active roster. And and why that matters is freshmen and players who are not currently playing. If you fill a third of your best ball roster with freshmen that are not playing, they're not seeing the field right now, 
which is how a lot of people draft, by the way, in best ball. Um, you are all of a sudden trying to fill a lineup of 10 to 12 players from 30 potential options versus 45. And while that might not seem that drastic, consider buys every week. Consider injuries every week. Consider bad matchups. And all of a sudden, this pool of 30 players that you're maybe pulling from, it's down to 15, 20, as opposed to if you are if you have a full 45-man roster of potential possibilities, that gets cut down to what, like 30? And so it makes a massive difference because what you need to do in best ball is you need to hit on like massive performances. It's average performances don't cut it. Um, and so what I've found when I've been playing best ball, and, and this has been very successful, is you can't take any zeros. You know, like maybe one or two freshmen, and then the entire rest of your roster has to be guys who you're expecting to perform on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, and and that works for me. I, I've had a lot of success doing that in best ball leagues uh, because other people are drafting freshmen like you do in regular C2C leagues, and we're just pulling from completely different player pools. Um, and and the, the points volatility is so much more it's so much wider for them than it is for me because their their pool is so much smaller that they're pulling from. Um, and the reason why I dislike that is that is against the spirit of Campus Canton Leagues, in my opinion. I think part of the reason why Campus to Canton Leagues are great is there is that projection aspect of, hey, I'm drafting a freshman because I think they'll be good in the future. And... Best ball completely discourages that, in my opinion. Or winning in best ball discourages that. And and as I've talked about, I think you should always be trying to compete um, because it, it is easy to. But it, it, it does just kind of – it goes against the spirit of the league there or of the format there. And I just think that it, it's, it's basically trying to fix a problem – in the wrong way. And and that problem is the fact that there's a lack of information in college football, right? So it's tough to set an exact lineup and then have a couple players who don't have any injury notifications beforehand not play. I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. But two things. One, injury notifications have been increasing. There's been a lot more leagues in, in college football have been making a push to standardize injury reporting. Um I know the Big Ten has done something. I know there's some other leagues that have done stuff. And so that part is getting better. And also Fantrax, uh, which is currently the only place to play Campus Can or play CFF, uh, has auto-sub features, which in my opinion are great. Uh, if you have auto-sub features, you should absolutely be utilizing them. It's so much better than taking zeros because of bad injury notifications or because you miss something. Um, but anyway, the, the point of best ball when it kind of came around for CFF in particular was that bad injury reporting, the lack of information, and now that's gone. So it's fixing a problem that's fixable in an easier way, and it, it adds all these other complications. Um, that being said, I, I, talked, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but if you do play best ball, it is very – it's almost easier to win. Um, I, I guess I'm coming from a point of experience, but also uh, not a ton of experience. Where I I only play have played in in I guess one best ball league now for a few years. But in the past two years, I 
was uh, the top scorer, I think, in like 10 out of 14 weeks last year. And, and things went very well. And that, uh, I was following that philosophy that I just talked about, where I had, I think I had two freshmen on my bench. And other than that, I had 43 players who every week I expected them to, to be playing. And, um, again, it, it just works out because everyone else is still drafting freshmen rounds one to 15 in the supplemental draft. And it's just different player pool sizes. Um, but take advantage of that if you play in a best ball league, but also don't play in best ball leagues, um, unless you prefer them play what you prefer. Um, I did want to mention, I think the ideal format is sort of a hybrid best ball where you it's still best ball scoring in the sense of you take your active roster and your your optimal lineup gets pulled from your active liner active lineup active roster I should say but uh that active roster should could only be like a subset. So you pick 25 of your 45 man roster to be your active roster every week. And that best ball lineup gets filled from that 25 man active roster. And so what this does is it allows for you to have essentially a taxi squad where you have development players, you have future projections and they're not hampering your best ball success week in and week out. I've played this on the NFL side and it was great but it would be even better on, on college side. And it's not currently doable on fan tracks, which is frustrating. Um, you can't currently have a taxi squad if you're playing best ball. That's all that's needed setting-wise to play this way. But my hope is I have, I, I've, I think I've requested it from fan tracks. Uh, they've generally been good with requests in the past. So I'm hoping to see that in the future and to potentially try a league like that out. I think it would be really the best of both both worlds here um and and i think it would be something that people would really enjoy for for uh for how to play cfl um all right that's all i have for you this week i know it's a little bit of a shorter episode but i don't want to ramble on on my own too much here um we're kind of in the middle of the college football season here which is weirdly kind of the worst time for cff strategy like i or for c2c strategy um i i'm really looking forward to talking about startup drafts and supplemental drafts and everything in between um but that's more off-season stuff and so i think it would be wrong for me to approach those subjects right now i want to hold off on those until when it's a little bit more applicable um so in the meantime, I'm going to kind of continue to uh, work amongst the waiver strategies, the trade strategies, the um, I, just everything that's in-season applicable. Um, so, yeah, if there are any, as I've kind of mentioned in every episode recently, if there are any specific questions or inquiries or or uh, suggestions, please let me know, and uh, be very happy to touch on them, talk about them. Um, but, all right, cool. As always, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.